history nerds and historians. My name is Christina and this is Effed Up History, where we talk about a little tidbit from history. It's super fucked up. Today's the third part of my New Salem series as I learn about my new hometown and research for tours. In the last episode, we talked about Charlotte Fortin and my desire to do a women and witches history tour and hinted that I wanted to possibly offer another option. And that option is all about curses and crimes. Yes, the spooky part of the Salem history that I love so much. So we'll talk about some true crime stuff, like the first of the Salem series about Captain Joseph White. We'll talk about some of the supposed curses and hauntings, maybe a little piracy in the darker side of the Salem Witch Trials, because the way that these people were treated was fucking horrifying. So with that in mind, today we're going to do another true crime case all the way back to the 1630s, the trial of Dorothy Talby. Trigger warning, this case surrounds mental illness and a murder of a child. If this is something that makes you uncomfortable or something that you don't want to hear, I totally understand. Log off and I will see you next time. For those of you who remain, sit back, relax, and practice your oh good god, what the fuck faces. Talby was born November 5th, 1598 in Lincolnshire, England. She married her husband, John, on October 14th, 1619. And at some point after that, they emigrated to Salem, Massachusetts. And both being Puritans, they settled into the strict Puritanical life over here just fine. So Puritan colonial New England was an interesting place. Puritans came to New England for religious freedom and to escape persecution. But when they came they became the persecutors themselves. They had very strict ideas when it came to gender roles, but when it came to punishment, men and women were punished the same. The Puritans were Christian extremists who were unaccepted to any other beliefs, and the Bible was law. There was absolutely no room for interpretation. If the Bible said, thou shalt not blah, blah, you would not even think about blah, blahing. Going to church was not only expected, but required, and if you didn't attend the church or relate to church or behaved improperly in church, it was noticed. And it was notated. But Dorothy Talby was an outstanding member of the church. She had a reputation of, quote, good esteem and godliness, according to the governor of the Massachusetts Bay Colony, John Winthrop. But even though Dorothy had a great relationship with God and with the church, she did not have a great relationship with her husband. They fought a lot. And often as time went by, she started getting more and more depressed. And in her hopeless state, she started listening desperately for some word or sign from God. And then he started speaking to her. I mean, literally speaking to her. Like she was hearing the voice of God. It wasn't like a bird flying by and her being like, oh, this must be a sign from God to do something. No, he started literally speaking to her and telling her to stop eating and to stop allowing her husband and their four children to eat as well. Unsurprisingly, her husband was not okay with this. But when he started protesting these familial decisions she was making and what God was telling her, she started getting violent. In April of 1637, she was charged with physically assaulting her husband, but she never showed up for the quarterly court sessions. So the judges, one of which was Judge Hathorne, the father of the famous Judge Hathorne of the witch trials, and like great, great, great grandfather of author Nathaniel Hawthorne, passed this judgment on her. Quote, It is therefore ordered that for her misdemeanor past and for prevention of future evils that are feared will be committed by her if she be left at her liberty... 
that she shall be bound and chained to some post where she shall be restrained of her liberty to go abroad or coming to her husband till she manifests some change of her course. Only it is permitted that she shall come to the place of God's worship to enjoy his ordinances. So basically, she was going to be chained somewhere for the, as long as it took for her to get better. And she was only allowed to be unchained to go to church. But when the officials came to unchain her and take her to church, she refused. She said she was communicating with God on her own and she didn't need to hear some preacher tell her all about what God had to say because he was talking to her directly. And the more that the officials pushed her to go to church, the more that she pushed back. And finally, the church elders decided to just excommunicate her altogether, which in an extremely puritanical society was even more of an insult and was really bad for Dorothy. When they read the excommunication order to her, she tried to turn her back to them and walk away, but they physically restrained her so that they could read out the sentencing because that's a great idea to do to someone who's exhibiting mental issues and values her religion and relationship with God. But colonial Puritans weren't the best when it came to sympathetic social work. Surprisingly, after this, she got worse. And so did her treatment. In July of 1638, she was charged again with assaulting her husband and was ordered to be publicly whipped. After this, she was embarrassed and it seemed to check her for a little bit. Governor Winthrop reported that she carried herself more dutifully to her husband. So she stopped beating him, which was good because women are just as capable of domestic assault as men are. But because of the time, she wasn't given any further help and divorce was not a thing that Puritans did. You were married for life. But... By November, she started exhibiting the same behaviors again, and again, they started getting worse. She said that God started speaking to her again and telling her to do different things to her family, and people, including Governor Winthrop, started saying that she wasn't actually conversing with God, but with Satan himself. Yes, Dorothy was possessed by the devil, and this tortured her mentally. She was suffering, and she was miserable. Trigger warning. That's when she took her tiny three-year-old daughter named Difficulty, or Difficult, depending on what source I read, to a secluded area in Salem and broke her neck, killing her daughter. When she was found, Dorothy said that she did so to free her and release her from any future misery because Dorothy was certain that her daughter would succumb to the same fate as her mother. Although she admitted it when she was arrested, she refused to admit it again in court until they threatened to press the confession out of her like literally press it out of her, like what they did to Giles Corey during the 1692 witch trials, where a slab of wood is placed on your chest and heavy stones are piled on top until you confess or until you die. With this looming torture ahead of her, she admitted to the court that she murdered her daughter to release her from future torture and misery and was sentenced to death by hanging. When the judges read the sentencing to her, she refused to stand and again had to be held in place in the appropriate position to hear it. She covered her face the entire time and begged the courts to instead behead her because she felt like it would be less painful and less shameful, but she was denied. During the entirety of the trial and the time leading up to her execution, she never showed remorse or repented and never asked for forgiveness. On December 6th, she was hanged in Boston, Massachusetts. During that time, they would put a cloth over your head when you were hanged, and she actually removed it and put it between her neck and the noose to try and make it less painful. And when she was swinging from the noose, which of course wasn't balanced correctly because this was before the use of the Marwood drop that would have made it a quick and humane death, she grabbed at the ladder to try and save herself one last time as she slowly asphyxiated to death. Dorothy was clearly suffering from a lot of mental issues during her life, or at least her life in Salem. I couldn't really find much about what her life was like before she came to Salem. 
but she still murdered her child. If she was tried today, she may have had a chance at an insanity plea and spent the rest of her life in an institution. But in Salem in 1630, there weren't any sort of mental institutions. The Quakers opened up a hospital in 1753 to, quote, care for the sick, poor, and insane wandering the streets of Philadelphia that treated some patients with mental illness. But the first mental institution in the United States didn't actually open until 1817, which was also opened by the Quakers in Philadelphia. They're my favorite religious group in colonial America and early American history. And even now, they're they're super cool people. If I had to choose a religion, I'd probably be a Quaker. Before then, the criminally insane and those who committed conscious, intentional criminal activity were viewed as one and the same. So their punishment was the same. And even if there were some sort of means to treat the criminally insane back then, Governor Winthrop didn't think that she was insane. He thought that she was possessed and persuaded by the devil to kill her child and that she was an example of what everyone was capable of if they let themselves be persuaded. Not surprisingly, those laws came from the Bible, basically saying an eye for an eye. If you kill, you need to be killed regardless of the circumstances. In 1641, Massachusetts did change their views on this a little bit and wrote the Massachusetts Body of Liberties, which specified, quote, children, idiots, distracted persons, and all that are strangers to newcomers of our plantation shall have such allowances and dispensations in any cause, whether criminal or other, as religion and reason require. So this gave a little bit of wiggle room. So judgments in any case, not just murder, didn't have to be so black and white. But who knows if that would have been any help to Dorothy's case a few years before that. So, yeah, that's all for today. (laughs) I listen to a lot of true crime, um, but true crime involving children is not something that I like listening to. So I don't really want to elaborate on the story any further and talk about like other true crime cases where mothers killed their children because there are a lot of them. Um, I especially didn't like this one because I do suffer from mental illness and I have a three year old. So, um. I don't think people are always defined by a single act that they do, but this case was pretty horrific and she did kill her daughter. And I feel for that poor little girl, even though it's almost what, 400 years later, almost. So thank you so much for listening today. (laughs) I'm not going to say if you like what you heard today because it isn't very fun, but if you enjoyed listening to me talk about things and want to hear me talk about other things, please consider subscribing or leaving a review. And if you have a story from history or mythology that you'd like to hear me discuss, please reach out. You can reach me at fdiphistory at gmail.com or at any social media at fdiphistory. And remember, history may be watching you, so don't fuck it up. Bye!